and welcome to the M2 Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Lanty, my co-host, Kyle Heath. This is where we cover all esports, personalities, video game-related news, gaming industry, new and upcoming games, and technology innovation. But what we like to do at the start of every show is cover what we've been up to. So, Kyle, what have you been doing, man? Oh, you man. been gaming? I did play some games this weekend. This past you been week. Um, I uh, continued Remnant a little bit. Remnant from the Ashes. Okay. Got some more time in there. Uh, made it a little bit further. Not a lot. We got a few hours in, but on the difficulty we're playing at, it's not like saying we got a few hours in is probably like 30 minutes to an hour on a normal playthrough. So, <laughs> but you know, it's still Fair. fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, play some of that. And you know, it's funny. I had the, uh, I had this really weird urge over the weekend to actually play some, uh, to hop on some Minecraft servers. Just like, I don't know. Like, and particularly, have you ever played Minecraft prison servers? It sounds weird, but like, have you ever played it? Uh, dude, I, I gotta admit, I haven't played Minecraft in a very long time. Like, very, very long time. Yeah. Well, so, I'm out um, of it on that one. It's, uh, it, like, so, essentially, I, w- I just wanted to play a prison server, and the idea of this these type of servers that you go in, and you have these different mines that you work on, and you kind of go up in levels, and with each level, you go to a different mine, you get different materials, you can sell it back, and oh, it's kind of uh, like... It's kind of like a system like that, where you kinda, you're trying to mine your way out of prison, right? So it's kind of like you're just kind of working away. But there's something therapeutic about like just doing that, and then just like throwing on like a, a show or a podcast or something, and just kind of vibing oh, out for cool. a little while. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what I was doing. Um, and I was, I was doing specifically like an OP prison. So essentially, like those type of prisons are... Like you get these insanely specced pickaxes and you break like a million blocks at once and you're just like speeding through like a mine, just like oh mining a ton of blocks. <laughs> it's like it's like a prison server on steroids, but I think it's more fun because it's just like it's I don't know, the dopamine's higher because you're just going quicker and <laughs> you're just mining a bunch. But yeah, I don't know, dude. I was vibing out. I uh I threw on some like Netflix documentaries and I was just kinda like listening to that and just mining for a little bit on a on Saturday and Sunday and uh it was fun, it was enjoyable. So even got some of the boys in on it we were all just chilling in a call just you know talking and mining so i don't know it's it's a weird kind of like if you have nothing to do <laughs> like it's you know hop on for a couple hours and just like you know get finally get to some documentaries or some podcasts you haven't listened to yet and I know, you can kind of zone out it's fun that sounds like a lot of fun i kind of do that with rocket league but i do it in rocket league ranked where you really shouldn't be doing that <laughs> you know, I, I don't know why but i'll just i like to solo queue ranked games all the time not really care yeah. um yeah. yeah yeah um but yeah no i did that uh played played some minecraft played some remnant um other than that i don't think i got into anything else it was really just kind of between those two and just chilling out call a little football could be catching some football this weekend you know the drill very um, nice yeah of course some of that and, um, i think it'll be fun so but yeah I, i'll probably get some more minecraft in hopefully this week and um you know this week also too who knows if i'll get anything else in because there's an important game <laughs> that is already out for the pre-order access by the time people are watching this so uh that's fact <laughs> we'll see uh, i'll definitely have some stuff to report on to next week um because on top of that also got a little work vacay going on the next few days so um so i have plenty of time to kind of play some games and report back so should have a uh, nice little uh, report for next week excited but yeah i'm really excited to hear the feedback man because the game comes out did you do the pre-order so we're talking about starfield by the way starfield yeah people, um yeah so starfield pre-order you could pre-order it I, I like i know you could pre-order it now i haven't i think it's like i'm gonna pre-order the like the premium edition through xbox because i think because with game pass you can just spend like 31 dollars or something like that 
and then you get like access to the premium digital edition which gets you the pre-order access without having to pay a hundred dollars yeah. <laughs> so i'm just like yeah like i mean i what can i say bethesda hasn't released an rpg in years and you know what i mean I, this is this is the other thing too mike i'm just gonna say this up front too I'm going to see, I think Review Embargo lifts uh, on Thursday. On So it was yesterday when Review Embargo is lifted by the time this comes out. Um, yeah. So based upon that, um, I mean, I'm probably still going to get the game because I want to see it for myself and like $30 or something. I'd, I'm just like, whatever, I'll, I, I think it's worth it regardless. But but yeah. like, I'm going to get that. It's It launches at like 8 p.m. or something like that on Thursday. So it's like a weird kind of, <laughs> it's like, it, it's like really early kind of thing. Um, so you can kind of get access to that at like, uh, later on in the evening so i'll probably get it then and play some and i plan to log some hours this weekend to say the least so <laughs> should be exciting but um so yeah i mean i'll, I'll be playing some of that and um yeah I, i'm very much looking forward to reviews because i think reviews will drop like before the actual pre-order um drop launches so it'll get, it's good to, i don't want to see too much about it i just want to hear like overall ratings and stuff from people just kind of see what they give it and then uh yeah that, who knows? That may take my expectations from like here to up in the ceiling. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. <laughs> so I try not to get too excited, but I'm also trying not to like consume too much information because <laughs> I just want to be able to experience the game. So that's we'll true. See. Yeah, you don't want to like spoil it for yourself. Yeah, so yeah, not at all. But yeah, so I don't know. That's uh, that'll probably end up being most of my game time this week. So um, I'll have a lot to report back. I feel like for next week. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, for people that don't know, uh, Kyle's been super hype. Not only that, but you, you currently have your Discord status set to I have Starfield Copium and I am proud. What can I say? It's like, you know? you've had that for like, what, two weeks now? Dude, I, you've been patiently I do, waiting. I, I hate it. But at the same time, it's just like, it's Bethesda. I, if they didn't make Fallout New Vegas, I wouldn't be this hyped. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> they That's fair. Yeah. Those original Fallout games are just like, they're fire, man. And it's like, they just like, if Fallout 4 was good too, um, like, you know, arguably, I, I think... Uh, it was it didn't hit as hard for me as New Vegas because obviously like New Vegas was like the first game I played, so it's right. hard to hit like the first impression kind of thing. Um That's and true. I'm not expecting that with Starfield. But like a new RPG, especially a Bethesda RPG, like haven't played one in a hot minute. Hasn't been a new one in a hot minute, so I, I'm excited regardless. Very nice, man. I'm excited for you. I'm gonna be paying attention to it, but I think my goal right now is to really knock out uh Breath sorry, Tears of the Kingdom. I knocked out Breath of the Wild. I want to do Tears of the Kingdom. Cyberpunk has that DLC coming out later. I yep. still haven't beaten the game yet. I think I'm decently far, but I don't know how far yet. Um, so trying to juggle like which ones I need to knock out is really bothering me right now. Yeah, yeah. I saw. Um, I saw Cyberpunk was releasing uh, the 2.0 update before Phantom Liberty, they are. which is interesting. So yeah, that all is the pretty features interesting. will come out first, and then the DLC. It's gonna be good. All the features look pretty amazing from uh, Gamescom and everything that they showed. Like, you so. know, by the time this comes out, we're already here. It's September, ladies and gentlemen. Like, this is it. You know what I'm saying? This is a lot of lot of releases this month, so it's exciting. Yeah, that's true. Speaking of which, uh, next week's episode, I think we should really cover the main games that are coming out. Of course. For the month. Uh, just because it's like, we, we do kind of record this before Friday to make sure we have enough time to edit and we, yeah. like, yeah, not trying to rush out the door and kill ourselves. So, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but, definitely not. Um, yeah. So we'll get into that next week. Plus, we have plenty of articles to really cover, and uh, they're pretty good. Yeah, we got some stuff to talk about today. To say the least, Mike. Yeah. I don't know. You have anything yes, else to talk about, Mike? I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, 
Not much, man. I didn't do any gaming. Uh, really? I, well, I did, but I didn't. So, went to Vegas. I already talked to you about most of the trip. I won't get into that because it's like this is a video game show, not a sin and debauchery kind of show, you know? <laughs> so, I won't get into that. But one of the things I did check out was the eSports arena. Unfortunately, I went too early in the day to actually see the arena. It's like oh, a, almost dang. a coliseum. But I did get in the open play area and I got on there with uh, two of my buddies. We played Rocket League a bunch. Uh, we tried to play Call of Duty, but the way Call of Duty set up, it, it was like really difficult to get us all on the same one. Mm -hmm. We played some Apex Legends, that was kind of cool. And uh, what was the last game? We actually finished it with Fall Guys, believe it or not. That's so awesome. We were playing like duos and stuff. Like tri uh, I think we didn't get a chance to play trips. We did solos, but we also played duos. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. that that's honestly awesome. And yeah, the esports arena has always been interesting. It's uh, if whenever I, I I'm sure eventually I'll go back to Vegas at some point. And when I do, oh, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna have to check out the esports arena. Let's put that in doubt. Yeah, it's we went to. Uh, yeah, that's in that's in Luxor. We yeah. uh, I'll tell you because it's I mean it's Vegas, so time's not real there. We uh. We walked mistakenly, kind of, from Mandalay Bay to the Mirage. And that's basically from the south side of the strip to the north side of the strip. You, you could go further up the strip, go to like Circus Circus, go a little yeah. bit further. No way I was going that far. But we saw every single one of the resorts, the casinos. It's just like, that's a different type of gaming. Um, it, it was wild, <laughs> yeah. for sure. But yeah. it was a lot of fun. It's Vegas. I mean... Yeah. Picture it's, the yeah. hangover. That's that's what happened. It's Vegas. Some people uh, love it. Some people hate it. Some people haven't been. So I got to find out at yeah. some point. But you know, yeah. The only thing, the only thing I'm upset about is the people I was with were not interested in going to an EDM show. We could have seen Alan Walker, Elenium, Chain Smokers, Steve Aoki, uh, and then there was one more person that was like massive that we should have seen. I can't remember right now. It was like maybe Flume, maybe. I don't know. Odessa's uh, coming to Charlotte, though, if you're going to check it out. Hey, 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 hey. Um, yeah, that'd be sick. But dude. I think we're done talking about Vegas. We are. We should talk about what's happening with Sony and PlayStation Plus. Oh. Because what's happening? Oh, that's a good question, Mike. That's a very good question. And that is Sony is raising the PlayStation Plus price up to $40 per year. And I know, Mike, we've talked about this in the past with Xbox. Xbox is something very similar to Game Pass very recently, right? Yes. This month, I think, even when, is even when, like, kind of, you know, people start noticing the effects of it. Uh, like, mm -hmm. everybody subscribed, right? So I think so, yeah. Because I think it was, like, September is, like, if you already subscribed to Game Pass, it's, like, that's when the price goes up. Because you were kind of grandfathered that, yeah, in yeah, a yeah, month or something like that. That's so true. Weird. You get grandfathered in, and then yeah. now, now you can't, pretty much. By the yeah. time people hear this, they can't. Yeah. And now Starfield's out and stuff too, so like, all right, it's worth it at this point, you know. <laughs> and Forza on the horizon. It's true, saying. yeah, it's true. Um, anyways, uh, the cheapest tier is going to be going from sixty dollars to eighty dollars per year. Um, and uh, let's let's find out more. I pulled this article from The Verge. Uh, Emma Roth wrote this one. You know, we reported many many uh, Emma articles in the past. Um, we really have. Sony is raising the price of its PlayStation Plus subscription next month. The service's annual essential plan will go from $60 to $80, the extra plan from $100 to $135, and the premium plan from $120 to $160. Uh, the new pricing goes into effect starting September 6th. So 
very, very soon at the time of writing this. Um, it's like there's no delay with this one. Um, however, similar, I, I say that, but similar to Game Pass. Um, if you're currently subscribed to PlayStation Plus, Sony's price increase won't take effect until the next renewal date or after November 6th. Um, if you make any changes to your subscription, such as upgrades, downgrades, or buying additional time, you'll have to pay the new rate. So it's kind of like if you stay at your current tier, you might you get a little grandfather. A little yeah, you might get grandfather yeah. in for a month. If not, uh, you may have to pay the new rates. Sony says the price hikes will go into effect globally and will allow the company to continue bringing high-quality games and value-added benefits to the service. It adds that the yearly plans will still come at a discounted rate as opposed to the one- or three-month subscriptions that it offers. Launched last year, PlayStation Plus is Sony's answer to Xbox Game Pass, which allows you to play a rotating selection of games each month. For the month of September, PlayStation Plus will include Saints Row, Black Desert Traveler Edition, and Generation Zero. Saints Row? I mean, you know. Yeah. I mean, I've played the game, Mike. I ain't gonna lie. It took me and my boy like 10 months to beat it, right? Because it just wasn't a priority on the list. <laughs> like, after the first Pretty couple much. playthroughs, it's like, all right, well, we'll finish it, but, you know, take a little time. Um, so, yeah, Not the I mean... the heavy hitters you would, you would expect from a PlayStation, you know? I, yeah, exactly. Like, it's just that they, they really aren't. And it's, you know, it's, I mean, it's not the main point of the article, right? But it's like, I mean, we could even talk about PlayStation Plus, though, and kind of how, like, you know, they're adding that subscription tier to some of them so you can kind of have the PS Now sort of experience with it, right? Um, yeah. But it's like, do you think, like, game, this is the thing, and this is how I think about it. Game Pass going up in price is instantly most subscribers are like completely justified the fact that it was at 15 dollars was honestly a steal right and the fact that it's going up just two dollars a month right it's completely worth it and i think i think most people most subscribers of game pass would agree but do you think the similar kind of price hike to playstation plus is justified given that you know it's definitely not as valuable of a service as game pass if i'm being honest you know it's completely unbiased opinion <laughs> it's like i just think uh yeah i don't know i just don't think playstation plus is there mike i mean what do you think do you think sony is justified in trying to increase the price of the subscription service no i th- i'm i really want to rip apart playstation we've done this a couple of times on the show uh only because i want playstation to be really really good for consumers but they keep taking step backs in my my eyes you know yeah it's like the playstation plus increase and everything that they keep doing like adding this little Okay, you get like three games a month. Cool. Rotating games. All right, what are they? They're not that good. So what's the point? Oh, you just want to raise your rates more? And now they're doing it again, basically. I don't get it, man. I I really don't. I also don't like what they're doing with their hardware. We talked about it before. It's like the wireless portable screen in your home only streaming device. Portal, man. 200 bucks for it. It, uh, I think, I feel like PlayStation is really banking on their consumers not i feel like they're just taking advantage of their consumers like playstation fanboys because i feel like in gaming there's really only one diehard fan base at this point and i think it's playstation i mean there are i can't speak in extremes like that there's always exceptions to that kind of rule but i feel like they're louder and prouder you know i feel like the xbox fanboys are kind of gone now because of game pass and you can play any game you want and they really try to like encourage you to also get on pc 
right. you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas PlayStation doesn't do that. It's like, we want you to be on console and that's it. We want you to buy the games physically. We want you to have the consoles and everything. Whereas Xbox is just happy paying a subscription. They don't care, you know? Uh, admittedly, PlayStation has better IPs. That's a fact. I mean, it's single player first party, yes. Without a doubt, right? They do. They do. They really do. And But compare $20, $17 Game Pass with basically 1,000 games on two different platforms on any device, and you can stream it from your phone, your tablet. That's what the competitor is. That's what ultimate game passes yeah. to the essential plan going from 60 to 80 dollars or 100 to 135 you know i mean dude yeah that premium plan 120 to 160 it's like like the premium plan like 120 is like oh uh, like what um i mean i i mean yeah i mean you could probably break it down my month and kind of see you know that's i mean that's what 10 dollars to know, 12 a month something like that um, yeah i'm trying to pull it up right now so i mean and you know, I guess it's not terrible in that sense, but um, but yeah, man, it's it's you know it's PlayStation. I, the only reason PlayStation saw a skin of the game is because of their first party IP, um, and what they hold. And I mean, with Spider Man Two coming out, it's just going to be more of like a powerhouse. But at the same time, they're moving to PC eventually, right? So it's it's an interesting kind of thing. Um, eventually, that you know PlayStation like fan base, I. I feel like we'll kind of shrink and mold into PC at some point if they keep this route. Excuse me, if they keep this route of like moving PlayStation games to PC, but it's a weird, uh, interesting thing to say the least. You know what? I just got more information. Okay, so I went on to the PlayStation.com website and went to PS Plus, PlayStation Plus, and first of all, you open up everything and you can't see the membership costs until you actually add it to your cart kind of interesting interesting yeah so what they list are for the premium plan so we're talking the top of the plan right this is the one that's going to go from 120 to 160 it's covering monthly games online multiplayer exclusive discounts okay exclusive content not a fan but whatever uh cloud storage uh can't really play on cloud for playstation you got the share play Game help. Okay, cool. You might have somebody actually like give you lessons and cheats and stuff. That's cool. Uh, game catalog, which I feel like is no different than monthly games or exclusive content. You know, maybe if yeah. you got The Last of Us game catalog to like help you get through the game, that makes sense. There's a, a classics catalog and a Ubisoft Plus classics. Okay. You got game trials, probably for free, and then cloud game, cloud streaming. And yeah, it those numbers are seventeen dollars a uh, a month, eighteen dollars a month. But when you look at the games, it's uh, I'm not sure if it's all that worth it. Still, mm. I don't know. Mm. Mm. You know, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's a lot of games. It's just I, I still feel like Xbox is the better deal, and I'm trying not to be biased against PlayStation because I really want them to make a Sony. TV with PlayStation in it, but <laughs> like, I really oh. want that. Oh man. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think Microsoft was first to the game, and they kind of perfected it with how many publishers they have under their umbrella and how many they're getting after this Activision Blizzard deal. It's very true. Yeah. The good news is, is the tie-in the this place the Ubisoft Plus Classics. Yeah. I wonder if they can sign a deal with Ubisoft, uh, Ubisoft yeah. to have. Yeah. The Activision Blizzard streaming rights as well. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they could, right? I think yeah. that could certainly open some doors there. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, um, yeah, I mean, the library is obviously, I think, lacking a little bit still, but I, for me, like, this is the thing. If PlayStation, if they had some sort of integration with the PC market the way Xbox does, it'd be a different story. I think for people like yes. me, too, who are so... Because, like, I'm, I'm all PC at this point, right? Like, I don't have a Series X, I don't have a PS5, not yet, at least. But it's like... Um, and granted, you know, putting stuff on PC obviously lowers console sales, but I think overall, and I hope Microsoft has proven that, like, you know, I mean, at that point, once you get a subscription model that works on anything, I mean, you're making so much money at that point that console sales are a drop in the bucket, right? So, I think, um, I, I think for me, ideally, if, like, Sony was to release these on PC as well somehow, I mean, they, that would, they, they would you know, eventually get neck and neck with Xbox again, and I think the competition would be there. Um, Cause like I, you know, for me, like the only way I'm still like so bullish on Xbox is because they are so invested in the PC market. I feel like uh, Sony isn't, which is unfortunate. And I wish I wish Sony games came out on PC at like a, I guess a quicker rate. I wish it wasn't as long of a timed exclusive for a lot of these um, launches, right? Because Spider Man sounds like a year. <laughs> I mean, we're talking like um, like yeah. Days Gone was like four, but you know that's before they started really. Um, you know, working on kind of make bringing their games to PC. Um, so it'd be nice, I think, if they eventually kind of migrate and try to incorporate PC in a more kind of one to one level and like day and date kind of level that Xbox has. Because I'd certainly uh, be, you know, more excited about kind of PlayStation stuff and maybe would justify these kind of price hikes a little bit more in my eyes. But, you know, if you're in the PlayStation market, I mean, you and if you're like diehard PlayStation, maybe this isn't that much of an issue for you. So I don't. I mean, it's hard for us to speak on it. I think to a certain extent because we're not as invested with like the PlayStation ecosystem. But True. I mean, I don't know. Overall, I think you know, just from at least from a PC gamer's perspective, like mine, I just it's it's hard for me to be like, oh yeah, that now I'm that much more inclined to try and get a PlayStation you know service right now. <laughs> it's like it's just not there for me. Yeah, I think that's really where you and I are hung up on the whole PlayStation Plus. It's just it's not in PC, like you said. Um, yeah. Them raising rates to essentially compete against Xbox, it, I, I don't think it makes much sense. Unless you're... It's like, do, do they really value their IPs that much? Like their brand new IPs? Because I, I, I went to their uh, PlayStation Plus catalog just a second ago, even the premium plan, and I didn't see things like Spider-Man there. And I would imagine it's like, if you're selling point for PlayStation Plus, it should be your newest and biggest IP at the time. I mean, yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I didn't really see that. I didn't see Last of Us, although it probably is. Like, I would expect that. Yeah. I didn't see it. That wasn't the first thing I saw. Whereas if you compare that to Xbox Game Pass, the first things you see is, like, the Master Chief. You're going to see Forza. You're going to see, uh, like, Gears of War, even. They haven't had a game in what feels like 20 years. <laughs> and it's like, they have Gears of War up on there. You I know? Mean, dude, newest IP, Starfield. If you open the Xbox it app is, on PC, facts. there is a tab dedicated to starfield <laughs> like, yeah. like that day is, one game pass that's which, like their favorite thing which in the world. like i mean which surprised me because like i updated the xbox app today in preparation of pre-ordering and it's like you open it and you just see a starfield tab under games library home like the major nav menu it's like it's just there right so yeah they're promoting that ip which, you know i they really are props for yeah all of it too and i, I do feel like the cloud streaming for xbox is going to be a little bit better for now but yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I just feel like the way PlayStation's been making moves lately, 
it's been trying to keep up with Xbox and their streaming software and also trying to like get more out of their consumers, their customers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, that's I, fair. I, I feel like it's a, it's like a one-sided relationship. They just keep raising rates and trying to get more out of you. Which I feel so. like a lot of people, especially if you're in that ecosystem, will probably pay, right? Like, I yeah, mean, we'll I'm, see. Um, I mean, we can get into like the Apple ecosystem. That's perfection on ecosystems. That's like, yeah, yeah. That's, maybe, <laughs> I mean, I feel like I feel like they're trying to be the Apple of like gaming. Really, can't you know? Yeah, Nintendo's <laughs> kind of like that, bro. Yeah, yeah. Mean, yeah. Me, I got a droid. Um, Call me that guy. But I got that thing's that's ancient too. But I give you props. You know, your loyalty to that phone. <laughs> that that phone is five years old. Yeah, it's finally. <laughs> The camera's finally given out. Software. Software issues. Oh, man. Because they're up in the software, but I got the old hardware, so it slows down. Yeah. Oh, but, man. Oh, dude. Speaking of new hardware, that's a good segue right there. Oh, yeah. That is a good segue. This is pretty cool. Uh, I'm glad you pulled this article. Oh. So this is coming from The Verge again. And this is Sean Hollister, who we've covered multiple times. He's been with The Verge for, like, I don't even know how long, but... He's been doing stuff like this for over yeah. 15 years, it looks yeah. like. CNED, Gizmodo, we're talking major publishers. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I hope I don't butcher the name of this. Let me preference that it's because a tough I, one. I did look it up. <laughs> it's a tough one. <laughs> so, A-Y-A-N-E-O. Aya Neo. Oh, I like or that. I, it's I mean, either it Aya Neo or Aya Neo. I'm pretty sure it's Aya Neo. Aya Neo is how I'd say it. I'll just say that. Aya Neo is what we're rolling with. So, the title of the article is... The Aeneo Kun. Kun? I think yeah. it's. Kun, I, I want to say Kun. Like Aeneo Kun. Because, like, if you. But uh, this is this the yeah. anime coming out. Because, like, it's, yeah, I, I think, used to watch anime a lot. It was a lot of names with Kun at the end and stuff like that. So, you know. Dude, like this? K U N? Yeah, like, yeah, like. Kun? You know, all right, let's do Kun. I, I don't know what it means. All right. Don't come at me, okay? All right. <laughs> all right well, all, all I know is, like, this, this isn't a paid advertisement. Whoever's listening is going to remember that. Yeah. So the A and Neo Kuhn yeah. nearly doubles the Steam Deck's battery for nearly twice the price. So on paper, it's the ultimate PC gaming handheld. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And they really actually yeah. go into detail about it. And this is what we were talking about, how uh, handhelds in the UK, was it UK or is it Europe? I think it was Europe overall. They're going to have to do yeah. portable uh, batteries in pretty much all electronics moving right. forward after a certain yeah. date. So the Steam Deck's biggest weakness is battery life. And yet somehow, every challenger has failed to raise that bar. The ANEO 2 showed us that AMD's Ryzen 6800U wasn't ready to compete. And the Asus Rogue Ally revealed that AMD's Z1 Extreme couldn't pull ahead. If Asus insisted on matching the Steam Deck's 40-watt-hour battery life. Basically, all these handhelds, you need a charger constantly with you. Yeah, you do. So... But ANU may have had may have an answer. It's stuffing a 75 hour, watt hour pack into a larger, heavier handheld called the ANU Kuhn that it now claims can last nearly three and a quarter hours, three and a half hours, three three hours and forty five minutes. Weird way to say three. Wait, three hours twenty five minutes. Fifteen? Jeez, three hours and fifteen <laughs> minutes. Sorry, I'm running on lack of sleep and jet lag. <laughs> All right, so that's nearly double the battery and runtime you expect from a Steam Deck at that wattage, though it appears it wasn't captured while playing a game exactly. Mm. 
Okay, so this uh, this one could be kind of fishy here. Mm. I'm trying to zoom in on this image. It's yeah. a weird color. Yeah, I like click it and I can enhance it. But... Yeah. yeah. So basically it gets into uh, their A&E Akun battery life test, and it's a continuous battery life at 15 watts. Will last three hours, 13 minutes, 54 seconds. Um, pretty much has the results are only for the game tested by ANU and are for reference only. And the res test results are only for the environmental tested by ANU in different environments tested will result in different results. So basically what they're talking about is the relationship between the amount of electricity usage based on time. So one hour you get 73, two hours you got 45, three hours you got 15, three hours, 13 minutes, you get 2.9%. Basically, it's just a gauge of how much battery it'll use at given percentages. Right. Which, I, that's that's got to attribute to life, too. Not life, uh, quality of the game and experience. Yeah. Is it the less battery life you have, the slower it's got to get, so it doesn't waste more energy. Right, yeah. I mean, it's Interesting yeah, way to do it. It is, it is. So, let's get into this even further. The Verge... Already mentioned that the ANEO Kuhn a couple of times before, uh, but today the company revealed its full array of features, price, and expected ship window, and that you'll be able to crowdfund it on September 5th if you're willing to pay with no guarantees. People that crowdfund just throwing away money, in my opinion. It's, yeah, it's, uh, my opinion. it's a dicey uh, spot, huh? It's a it's 100% a gamble. Um, definitely do research on it before you get into it. So going back to who wrote this, Sean Hollister gives his opinion. Personally, I'd wait, but there's no question that this handheld has the strongest spec sheet yet. Starting with a comparatively large 8.4 inch, tw uh, 2560 by 1600, 590% color IPS screen. Basically, it's real pretty. Ooh. It does 2560 by 1600, and it's about the size of a Steam Deck. It's kind of sick. And see... It looks clean, dude. It does, dude. That that IPS panel is probably gonna look really good too. It's like any oh, IPS yeah. display in a little handheld always pops. Oh yeah. And like always getting into the handheld botting kind of scene that I've been kind of researching and stuff yeah, the past true. couple months. Like IPS displays are huge in like whether it's Game Boys, PSPs, like a lot of that, mm -hmm. right? So it's like IPS is certainly I think the best. So the fact that they're going with that, I mean, yeah, it's huge. And I mean, the screen itself is uh, noticeably bigger, right, compared to a Steam Deck. So. Yeah, that's um, yeah, very true. Very cool stuff, honestly, coming out of this. All right, let's go a little bit further. Further, uh, ANU seems to have heard how some people prefer the Steam Deck's ergonomics and loads of buttons to its own previous handhelds, too. So the Kuhn adds bigger uh, grips, dual touchpads. That's actually pretty interesting where they're putting the touchpad. Touchpad. Each with four distinct buttons underneath, quad back buttons, beefier triggers, and even a little kickstand reminiscent to the original uh, Nintendo Switch. And you got to show the people what that looks like. That looks clean. It does look pretty clean, I ain't going to lie. That's a, that's a really, really cool profile. And one of my complaints, and I've mentioned this before on the show, is how the Nintendo Switch, when I hold it, it's like my hands get pancakey, like, <laughs> like, so like true, puppet, puppet like... style. And like I get really <laughs> bad like hand cramps, like palm cramps because yeah, of it. That's so true. It's so not see ergonomic that in the school. slightest. You know what I'm saying? No, so it's, it's like, not. Uh, I got like big hands, so it's like just weird, man. Yeah. 
Yeah, dude. So, I, also, I just have to say, those triggers, they remind me of an Elite controller in this picture. I was, they look I was just gonna say that like, too. It's it's kind of crazy, right? Like they look just like that. Yeah. So. Yeah, they do. Like at least the side profile of it. I think right, yeah. the rest of it is like kind of meat meaty. But it looks good. Yeah. That'd be wild to just see somebody pull out at an airport when you're chilling. <laughs> All, right. Hey. All right, so let's go further into this article. There's also a little Windows. Hello front facing camera underneath the back or select button for face login and streaming. Uh, something most handheld Sam something most handhelds have entirely omitted, as well as hall effect joysticks and triggers to avoid drift. How many times we talk about that stuff on the pod? Oh, dude. Yeah, it's I gotta say, like it's a it's a Kickstarter or crowdfund, right? So it's like oh yeah. A you know, grain of salt, but like, dude, that that type of stuff has most people foaming at the mouth. Like you're gonna put a hall effect joysticks. You're gonna have it so that you try to avoid drift in any you know, given scenario. Like, come on. So cool. And the triggers. And the triggers. That's cool. Yeah, dude. Uh so uh, HD linear motors for Rumble, like the Switch and the Dual Sense, which is those feel fantastic. And an optional 4G module for cellular connectivity. There's a nano sim slot hidden underneath the kickstand brother that is so much oh, so man. many features in a little handheld right there Dude, this is gonna i don't be think a, people really understand how insane that is this is gonna be a dense unit you're packing in all this tech and then you know like cellular and stuff like that too it's like that's like another layer and that's yeah. gonna add more weight um which isn't necessarily a bad thing i mean i don't know for me i like a device like the one thing I, one of the things I like about iPhone is how dense it feels because it's like they pack everything oh, yeah, it's, very compact. Oh, yeah. It's just like you can tell it's like a solid device, and so I love that out of my like kind of handheld stuff. But I don't know, you yeah. know, for wait for some people, I don't know. It's uh maybe it's a deal breaker for some. But I mean, you got this much tech in there, and you got this much going for it. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of positives here. So hopefully we actually see it uh, come to life. I, th- it it's got me it's got me concerned. Okay, from like an engineering background that I have. That amount of features in there, you're gonna have to have really beefy setup and like, what what's the the phrase I'm looking for here? Um, it's not smooth, but it's like intentional software to make everything function properly, right? Yeah. And then the the other bit of it is, how are you gonna keep it cool if it's gonna have a longer battery life than the Steam Deck? You know, because like that too, that, yeah. that much stuff is gonna generate a lot of energy. That energy needs to go somewhere. Like, have you ever had your phone on your cheek when you're walking outside in the south and it's like 100 degrees out? No. It's like, it's hell, like almost <laughs> on a literal sense. <laughs> so if you're holding that thing, it's like, dude, just yeah. don't make a Samsung phone where they might blow up. That's, <laughs> you know? it's, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, there's a giant vent on the back that we can see kind of on the right-hand side. Um, yeah. I mean, but yeah, it's, I mean, there's a lot of tech in there. And also, I just think about it from like, a teardown perspective like if you want to try and repair something yourself like, oh, depending oh, on what's packed luck. in there could be a nightmare <laughs> trying to open the thing up and fix something like uh that probably it's gonna be, be like fun. it's gonna be like a stereotypical like german automotive car or like that was their done in <laughs> automotive uh machine the engine where you're just like you have to take off three different parts to get to one little one you know because yep, they like no. build a puzzle in with it <laughs> but uh, th- this is a long article so let me start picking up the fa- the pace here uh where did i last end on okay so i'm at and while houses the same amd ryzen 78 yeah 7840u chip you'll find in many boutique 
boutique, yeah, boutique PC gaming handhelds this year, the company claims its massive cooling system can crank that APU all the way up to 54 watts in its turbo mode, far higher than the 30 watt turbo that the Asus Rogue Ally can do. Kind of nuts. And I love it. The, the next thing is the, the opinionated stuff that I basically was talking about from Sean. So it goes, is that practical? Perhaps not, as it looks like largely a 7% to 10% boost in frame rates over the 30 watt mode in the company's own tests. Do, however, check the jump from 34 FPS to 43 FPS in The Witcher 3, which is no joke. Uh, <laughs> ANU straight up says 54 watts is not recommended for daily use as the main TDP. Which means you're going to get wear and tear if you overclock your stuff, basically. Yeah, and uh, your mileage varies, as they say. <laughs> oh, 100%. You got to treat your stuff with, like, respect and clean yeah. it properly. Sure do. Uh, but the Kuna also houses a full-length M.2 2280 SSD slot for up to 8 terabytes of internal storage. That's insane. It's pretty uh, Where, Yeah, whereas the deck... And many competitors top out at two terabytes because you can only fit one chip on their single-sided M.2 2230 SSDs. Jeez, man. Should we get into these quick numbers real quick? Yeah. On the, uh, the FPS. So when the game's on 1200p low and you can adjust, they, it looks like they have three different power levels, 15, 30, and 54 watts. On games like Forza Horizon 5, you'll go from anywhere from 54 to 63 frames per second uh, with 15 watts to nearly double of 80 and 87. Yeah, that's insane. And then, yeah, that's an optim. That's the word I was looking for, optimization. Got to have optimized software to do stuff like this. Let's do one more. Horizon Zero Dawn. At 15 watts, you're going from 35 to 36-ish frames per second to get a small boost of 54 watts to 41 to 43 frames per second gosh see that's like not big of a return and i would not risk the mileage of my device to try and get like four frames that's just me no no i wouldn't <laughs> you're not gonna notice anything really uh right. like you're gonna notice 30 frames per second if you're used to 60 you're definitely gonna that, notice I mean, yeah. that yeah but you're not gonna notice 36 to 40 yeah you're not you know there's <laughs> no no yeah definitely not so here is where we get into the pricing. This is how it's going to work. Let's talk about the pricing sheet. And then I, I think they pretty much get into, um, uh, Sean gets into a little bit of the uh, the crowdfunding and his take and opinion on it. But I just want to focus right now on this pricing <clears throat> configuration. So ANU is pricing the coon starting at $1,200 essentially retail for 16 gigabytes of ram and 512 gigabytes of storage stretching all the way up to 1949 so 1950 $1,950 for 64 gigabytes of ram and a four terabyte ssd early bird prices start around 200 less the steam deck starts around 400 but only but with only a 64 gigabyte of emmc storage and while he, Sean took that route and swapped out the drive himself. He thinks it's fair to say the Kuhn is roughly twice the price if we compare 512 gigabytes versus 512 gigabyte models, which that's pretty fair. Yeah. So the early bird specials, 200 plus dollars cheaper in some cases. There is an official retail value that is slightly higher than, I guess that's Indigo Go yeah, retail. Indigo Go. Yeah. Indigo Go is like another. You know, it's another Kickstarter, essentially. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. 
Yeah, so uh, I don't know, man. Where do you stand on it? It's, Is uh, this something you would purchase? Would you crowdfund this? No. <laughs> be honest. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'll... It's interesting. So there's a prototype that he played around with in a video. I'll kind of show that. Or this is like on, I'm pretty sure this is on like kind of one of the, the founders um, or maybe like a YouTuber that kind of showed off the device a little bit, but he kind of did an unboxing of it. And um, I mean, it looks pretty cool. This is the thing. Like um, I'm all for pushing the handheld market because obviously it had, it's had a resurgence since like the Steam Deck came out and everything and Aegis Rog and yeah. all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm definitely for kind of pushing this market. Um, I mean, personally for me, I definitely wouldn't like buy this early just because like, we just don't know how it's going to perform and it's hard to say with devices like this. And especially after what we're reading with how packed this thing is with tech, it's hard to say what, uh, what the mileage is going to be like on a lot of this stuff. So, um, it's one of those things I'd love to see kind of reviews of it. Um, but I mean, I mean, it's cool just to kind of see, uh, it's cool to see kind of a prototyped version that kind of in action to kind of see like oh yeah like you know we did uh you know it is there there is one that's made and you can kind of see um kind of how it'll function and everything um but yeah i'll be interested to see kind of long term how this goes but i mean i the display looks amazing um i think the i i think the approach to kind of you know being able to overclock the device is really cool because a lot of these i feel yeah. like it's kind of it's hard to do but this one kind of encourages that to a certain extent. Um, so I think that's pretty cool, being able to kind of have that customization, being able to do that without having to, you know, tear the thing down or you know, try and dip in liquid nitrogen to get it to run faster. Um, so I think that's pretty cool. And seeing the uh, seeing the kind of trigger comparisons too with the Steam Deck is pretty cool because you know, the trigger, uh, I mean, it just, I don't know, this thing looks like it's a way more comfortable grip and a way, and the triggers are just like probably going to be better than a Steam Deck. So I'm excited for that. Uh, I think it'll be cool, but and it's also cool just to see the inputs because it's like there's USB A, USB C. There's different inputs and um, kind of a, a, I just love the size of the vent. <laughs> the vent is like way bigger on this thing yeah, compared yeah. to the Steam Deck. So um, looks like they answered my concerns. I was <laughs> what I said. I was like, how are they going to cool it? Oh, giant fan. Gotcha. Cool. <laughs> I feel like it's going to be like my work machine that has an exhaust pretty similar to that on the side. And sometimes oh, yeah, I'll just like I'll set a drink down next to it, not thinking about it, and then I'll pick it up in the bottom's like heat, <laughs> and I'm just yeah. like, oh well. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's I, I don't know. Overall, the uh, I'll be interested to see kind of how this performs. But I mean, just from a a practical standpoint of use, I could definitely see. I would definitely prefer this over a Steam Deck <laughs> in terms of just kind of a long term use, just from looking at it, not even using it. Um, I agree. So. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm interested to hear more about this, and I'm interested to see if it's a success out of crowdfunding and everything, because that's a that'll be a that'll be huge to see. So that's kind of my thoughts, I would say, about what I think about the uh, AO Neo. I think is what it was called. Um, yeah, AO Neo. Yeah. I, I'm pretty I'm pretty much on board with you, man. I I think the Steam Deck has a little bit better functionality. It's more affordable. You can customize it yourself because it's basically a PC. I would wonder if the AO Neo when it when people like finally get their hands on it, if it has that type of custom customizability with the hardware improvements. Yeah. Cause if you get all of that, it might be worth the money. It really might. Cause it's a better screen, more storage, uh, if on the higher end, right. More right, storage right. on the higher end, it looks like it has better cooling. The battery lasts longer. And the kicker could be for a lot of people is you can actually have this, uh, uh what's it called? An SD card to get actual cellular communication. Yeah, like a nano SD. Yeah, nano SD. Thank you. 
So that could be a thing. Also, more storage. That eight terabyte storage is wild. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, dude, on paper, this thing's way better than a Steam Deck, right? <laughs> so right, it's one of those yeah. things. I think. Uh, um, I, I think after some use and kind of long term stuff, it'd be interesting to see kind of how it performs. Um, yeah, but overall, I mean, I mean, I like what I see in terms of like specs. Um, and yeah, I mean, and, and like you're saying, you know, if there's if the customization, the customer, and the customizability is there, then I, it's probably worth that price tag, right? Um, and if you're in the market oh, yeah. for a handheld, it's certainly something to see. And it's cool just seeing him on uh, File Explorer on Windows on this little screen. Right. I think it's funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's an actual computer. Let's go, yeah, literally. Um, yeah, and all, all those connection points too. I bet you can integrate like an actual keyboard. You could probably integrate. That. Who knows? Maybe a mouse. Yeah. and use it as an actual computer. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. And I, I think, too, like, I mean, because, I mean, this is literally a PC, right? I mean, you can load up an emulator. Yeah. You can get, like, RetroArch and just load up a bunch of ROMs, and there you go. You have a nice handheld emulator. Um, I think that, that this... could be a huge selling point for people. So um, there's a lot of potential, I think, with this device, which is good to see. Yeah, it's just going to be a really tough sell to imagine that somebody is walking around with this device in their hands and it's like two thousand dollars yeah it's yeah it's true that's it, that's it's really pricey, what we're man. looking at it's, yeah it's gonna be pricey yeah. this um, is not cheap so yeah this is this is definitely you know if you're if you're i mean and again i won't speak too soon but you know if you're looking for a handheld that's probably better than a steam deck um in terms of just like overall like specs this is definitely probably something to go with but again we just have to see all launches because that's the thing like we don't really know until we get kind of reviews and maybe some long-term use out of people. So, yeah, here's the first I've heard about it, and it's got me intrigued. But I'm not going to invest in crowd like crowdfunding for this. I'm not. Either. I would really, I would really like to wait and see what comes of it if it actually becomes a thing. And there's some things that uh, Sean. By the way, all the links are in the description that we cover. All the articles. I mean, the links are in the description. But Sean goes on and gives it opinion his opinion at the end. Essentially talking about like annual has a tendency to release release something and then just kind of forget about it, and move on to the next one. Yeah. So you might not have continual support, whereas Valve is like always supporting their yeah. like community, their customers with yeah. their software and their games. Yeah. So it's a good it really. Point. It's, a good point. it's not. It's not as good as a brand. Is really what I should be saying here. It's very true. Just like Valve is something else entirely. Yeah. I see, that's the thing too. It's like if something major breaks with this, like is there really going to be support for that? It's hard to say, right? Yeah, um, exactly. I, it's a risk. It's a risk. Yeah, it's it's certainly a risk. Um, I, yeah, it, it's cool to say, but it's kind of like it, it's kind of like you know the you know the engineers out there that like tinker. They make these like kind of oh, cool yeah. like variations of devices, or they make their own device. But then it's like you're on to the next project, right? Like, and then some people yeah. are just they have five projects going on because they just can't stick to one kind of thing. So, um, yeah, yeah I get it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, but you know, I I think we should stay in the vein of handhelds or Mike. This next article, because uh, this one this one's <laughs> kind of wild. This one is I'm excited. Cool. It's pretty cool. It's a short one too, so it won't be too long. But um, I, I the next couple will be pretty short. But regardless, um, I just saw this. It was a nice little article from Polygon, um, talking about a new analog pocket. Um, and this is a uh, it's a glow in the dark analog pocket. And for those that don't know, um, we'll read the article and find out more about. Okay, what is an analog pocket? And you, you'll see, you heard the price tag and be like, what? Anyway, um, so everyone's favorite new hardware 
to play their old games, the Analog Pocket, is getting a, gr a new green glow-in-the-dark limited edition. You can pre-order the handheld exclusively on the Analog Pocket site starting on September 1st for $250, with units shipping out on September 5th. This is this eerie version of the Analog Pocket is constructed with a glow-in-the-dark plastic, but uses the same flexible OS and hardware as the original black-and-white versions of the handheld. The Analog Pocket lets you play your old carts, your old cartridges, for the Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advanced yeah. natively on a gorgeous 1600 by 1440 LCD screen that's capable of upscaling your games or rendering your classic carts the way you remember, warts and all. Beyond its exquisite engineering, the Pocket is full of quality of life features like Bluetooth connectivity, the ability to save and suspend your games, remap your controls, and more. Personally, the biggest selling point of the Analog Pocket is that you no longer go through $20 worth of AA batteries whenever you run out of juice. Facts. True. It's true, man. That's old school. Um, yeah. Analog Pocket. I, yeah, again, I mean, the, the article kind of mentions it, but essentially the Analog Pocket is like a modern day Game Boy. <laughs> so like, yeah. if you just took a Game Boy through in 2023, oh, you have USB-C charging, you have Bluetooth connectivity, you have an HD, you have a crystal clear display and these games are essentially like um yeah they're kind of you know upscaled to a uh, better resolution so you're not playing the old stuff but and you know some people like the old hardware and i can respect it um but it's it's one of those things i mean i've thought about um i have there's i have a game boy that i've actually thought about getting like an lcd screen and like a rechargeable battery and stuff and just kind of upgrading it because it's one of those things like you at least i started to notice kind of how dated like the handhelds oh, are yeah, when you really in, dated so. So it's like, you know, a couple of those features you can you can certainly do. And there's even mods to like add a USB-C port in your Game Boy so you can charge it with USB-C, which I think is kind of cool. Um, I actually didn't know that. I've been kind of out of touch yeah. on the, the Game Boy market for a while. Yeah. So. And especially with like rechargeable batteries, like if you get a proper rechargeable battery for, say, a Game Boy Advance, you can get that kind of, you can install a USB-C port to make it easier to charge and kind of give allow fast so charging cool. and whatnot. It's crazy, right? Um, yeah it's really nice and, and like getting those cool displays and there's even like custom shells and stuff of like if you want to get like a different color shell that maybe Game Boy wasn't originally you know released in you can do stuff like that it's the it's it's crazy when you see the retro modding like ecosystem it's like wild what's what you're able to do with a lot of this stuff but I digress the analog pocket is kind of its own thing and someone made their own version of kind of the older style of Game Boys and really like I think for a lot of people, the original Game Boy or like the Game Boy Pocket was kind of the the preferred form factor, right? I think for like a Game Boy, so that's kind yeah, of what was, yeah. Analog Pocket did with this. Um, so it's kind of gives you that old uh, that old feel. I mean, if you get this and you get like a flash card mic, you like a little flash cart, and then you can oh. just load up a bunch of ROMs, like you're set. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, you could you could actually. Uh, it takes more work, right? So it's like you're definitely paying to have somebody do this for you. Uh, by by yeah. buying the analog pocket, you're basically having somebody build what the alternative is, exactly. and what yeah. the alternative is is like a Raspberry Pi, an LED screen, and you have to buy or make your own case. Yeah. Really, yeah. it's like they do have form factors just like this. You can get it for like half the price, but you got to do all the work yourself. It's like who has time for that? Why don't you just pay a little bit more? So I think that's what they're going for yeah. on this. Uh, it's true. This device. Yeah, like it's really cool that you can use your own cartridge though. Yeah, what I'm talking about, you had to like yeah. install everything on an SD. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's pretty it's cool. cool yeah, giving that kind of, I say like backwards compatibility with their quotes. <laughs> but yeah, it's like yeah. get the ability to kind of use the old stuff. But yeah, but yeah, it's true, man. If you're if it, like, and a lot of people aren't into that kind of stuff, like modding and 
kind of you yeah. know dealing with like you know motherboards and stuff like that pcbs and whatnot and like soldering it's just not for everyone so no, this is definitely a good alternative i think for most people and yeah, yeah i think this it's is cool. also go it's ahead. cool i just think it's cool that yeah. you know we there's like a glow in the dark shell kind of brings it back uh brings it back out but yeah I, this is really an excuse for me to just talk about the analog pocket because like i've been like this thing <laughs> for a little bit because i think it's cool but, hey it's worth talking about i mean if you go onto their site you can actually see it without the blur that they're trying to go for like the lights oh, yeah, on yeah, yeah. like glow in the dark stuff it is clean bro it is very nice it is um, very nice it is very very nice so 250 dollars. I, I feel like that's kind of a steal man eight hours of glow so it's gonna charge all night or like uh be fluorescent is that the word <laughs> yeah maybe yeah luminescent luminescent that was yeah. Yeah. yeah so i think it's worth it i think that's pretty cool yeah. I mean, I think it's worth it just for hardware alone, but the fact that it's in the dark one just makes it a little bit cooler, you know? It does make it takes, it. It, it's like from here to here. It's like a little yeah. jump. <laughs> I don't have my old games anymore, so that's unfortunate. Yeah. But this is still, like, kind of wild. I kind of want to get a game, like, yeah. That might be a project I do in the future. We'll yeah. see. Like I said, dude, I, I'm, all I'm saying is, Mike, look into, like, an easy flash or something like that, one of those, like, carts where you yeah. can just, like, load ROMs onto. That's kind of the way to do it now, in my opinion. <laughs> it really is. It really cards. is. Like, just, I essentially just, have that in a USB. Yeah. Like, everything. Yeah. So. I mean, yeah, you pretty much, yeah, literally, it's just, like, I think it's, like, 70 bucks or something like that. It's just one cart. You can yeah. load a micro SD in it. You're good. <laughs> you have everything, you know? Yeah. So, something like that. That's uh, something to look into, I think, because that's quite kind of what I've been looking into, and that's kind of, in the future, I'm definitely going to do something like that uh, for Game Boy stuff, so. Yeah, I've been flying a lot too, and that will make my time a little bit quicker and easier. Yeah, yeah. So. it's cool, man. And a lot of the carts have like save state and stuff too. So if you're into that oh, kind yeah. of stuff, yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> kind of stop yeah, just save and come back later. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Load up whenever you want, and it's really awesome how they have an upgraded screen. They the other thing he said Bluetooth as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Bluetooth connectivity, which means wireless earbuds, man. Mm -hmm. Popping my Let's AirPods, go. I can. I'm good. Yeah. You know, kind of that's cool, a fact. So, yeah. This is certainly a device, I think, you know, if you if you want a newer handheld um, and you want to be able to play old stuff, it's definitely the move. So. Agreed. Agreed. You know what else is also the move? Uh, that's already happened by the time this comes out. <laughs> that's a fact. Uh, we, we really, man, we're going to have to kind of cover this one later, aren't we? Uh, I'm excited for it. So yeah. this is coming from The Verge. It is Ash Parrish, who we've covered. I feel like we've covered everybody at The Verge. Um I was thinking about this. Maybe we should sort of like throw in their socials in, in the uh, the pod description, <laughs> so people can check them out. Sure, credit them more. Yeah, yeah. We're still crediting them though, and we leave the links in the description. So, without further ado, yeah. So this is about Nintendo Direct. So the next Nintendo Direct is all about Super Mario Bros. Wonder. So that's the new game. Now that Charles Martinet, I assume it's Martinet. Uh, is stepping back from the character, Nintendo will show off more of Mario's new voice in a 15-minute preview event on Thursday morning. Nintendo is offering a new in-depth look at Super Mario uh, Bros. Wonder with a direct showcase slated for this Thursday, August 31st at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. So by the time everybody has heard this podcast, it already happened. That doesn't mean leave. That means check it out for yourself. <laughs> Listen to us now. We're about to talk about it. And tune in next week so we can cover it. So the presentation comes a few weeks after Nintendo announced that Charles Manet, or Martinet, the iconic voice of Mario. Oh, man, I'm probably butchered. Martinet? <laughs> I, Martinet? Yeah, I wish I knew. I'll be honest. Martinet sounds right. But... 
Yeah, it, well, Google his name and tell me if he's French. <laughs> the iconic <laughs> voice of Mario is taking a step back from the role to become Nintendo's Mario ambassador. Nintendo confirmed to Polygon that Martinet would not appear as Mario in Wonder, saying, while Charles is not involved in the game, we are excited to honor his legacy and contributions, including looking ahead to what he'll be doing as a Mario ambassador. Wonder, announced back in June, is the first new Mario platformer since the release of Super Mario 3D World and Bowser, plus Bowser's Fury, back in 2021. Despite Wonder being this year's only Mario game release, the Mario franchise has had a fantastic year with the financial success of Super Mario Bros. movie, which grossed over a billion dollars worldwide, and might win a Grammy for Jack Black's now iconic performance of Peaches. <laughs> Dude, Jack Black, you they're on tour. Tenacious uh, D. So sick. Uh, <laughs> Nintendo has promised that a special message for Marnay. Is it Marnay? Did you Google it, perhaps? It says he's from Martinet. San Jose, so I don't know if he's a... <laughs> oh, okay. That's Martinet. My bad. So from Martinet and CEO Shigeru Miyamoto, I definitely butchered that too, uh, would Miyamoto, be forthcoming. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know Miyamoto's right. I'm just going to go by last name. Uh, this Direct, it seems, will feature the message along with the possibly revealing who's taking over as the new voice of the new prolific plumber in video games. Thursday's Wonder presentation is set to last for about 15 minutes and Super Mario Bros. Wonder releases on the Switch on October 20th. My thoughts? Bro, what if Chris Pratt ends up doing Mario for the foreseeable future with all the hate that he got? That was him, right? Chris Pratt in the Mario movie? Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of people hated it. They love Jack Black, did not like Mario's voice. What if he's just now the set of Mario? What if Nintendo's just like, oh, you didn't like that? Well, guess what the legacy is, B? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That'd be funny. I don't think it's going to happen, but that'd be funny. Not going to lie. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised what Nintendo does anymore. They're coming <laughs> after their own like fan base at this point. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't either. I will say that Super Mario Bros. Wonder, when I saw the initial trailer, it's like, I'm excited for this. So I mean, I'm going to tune in and see what they got to show because it seems like this is going to be an insane game. Um, I feel like Nintendo Directs have been hidden more than normal like the last year. Yeah. Especially the last one was like... Fire. Nuts. Yeah. Nuts. Uh, Nintendo's man, Nintendo's kind of crushing it. I mean, they always kind of crushing it, it, you know. Yeah, but I mean, like, I feel like they're definitely this crushing year is more like than usual. Yeah, this year was better than last year's. So I'll give you that. You yeah, know? last few years kind of like, eh. you got Zelda, <laughs> right? <laughs> but it's like, yeah, know. yeah, it's cool. I wonder what That's his cool. role is going to be as Mario ambassador. Basically, sounds like he's retired. Retired. I mean, yeah. Uh, it's like you joined a board, right? You just kind of yeah, let's see. Whatever, uh, he, joined a board. He's sixty-seven. Yeah, from San Jose, California. Uh, he plays both Mario and Luigi. But he's no longer playing Mario. Hmm. But he's, is he still doing Luigi? <laughs> Imagine he still does one character. That'd be kind of funny. It would be kind of funny. He's like, you know, I'm done with Mario, but I got you, Luigi. Yeah. Hey, he <laughs> retired, so. Yeah, kind of cool. True. Yeah, I'll be curious to see more about this. We'll see what this you know, trailer and stuff's all about. What this directs about, you know. I'll tune in. I ain't got no responsibility Ten. tomorrow, so I'm gonna tune in. <laughs> 10 a.m. on Thursday on YouTube, probably. Do they even do this on Twitch? I don't think Nintendo is on Twitch, are they? 
I don't know. I have I've no always idea. watched them on YouTube. Yeah, it's for me. It's been YouTube as well. Um, yeah, it's a good, good question. I'm gonna check it out. Mm. Yeah, I'm gonna check it I out as well. Watch it be on like Kick, but not Twitch anymore. <laughs> it'd be wild. Oh, that'd be good. The yeah. ultimate troll. You know, it doesn't troll though. Oh, oh, it's like, uh, probably one of my favorite tech companies. I mean, there's only really like three that oh. I really like. The other one's Intel, but who's Intel's rival, bro? Oh, who's Nvidia's rival? The amazing music distributor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I don't know what AMD stands for. <laughs> but it's AMD. Amazing. Right? Uh, um, That's a good question. I, I, I forgot what Advanced for. Micro Devices. Uh, yeah. Advanced Micro Santa Devices. Santa Clara, California. That's where they're from. Santa Clara. Okay. Okay. Well, AMD is announcing the Radeon RX 7800 XT and the 7700 XT starting at 449. How about that? Is Nvidia, is Nvidia is AMD beginning to give Nvidia a run for its money? Oh, Sean Hollister did this one as well because we pulled it from The Verge. That's right, you guessed it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we're sometimes too loyal to the source, but you know we're here. I they mean, they're usually the first ones to report on it. That's yeah. I think that's really why we go with them mostly. It's true. So. They're undeniable. I have to say. Yeah, I just wish. There were an option between the $300 and $400 marks that offered enough performance to push us firmly into the 1440p era. That was Sean Hollister's colleague, Tom Warren's <laughs> conclusion, reviewing the uh, 399 RTX 4060 Ti and the 269 Radeon RX 7600. Um, on September 6th, AMD may come close. Uh, that's when it's shipping the brand new $449 RX 7700 XT and the $500 7800 XT with a free copy of Starfield to sweeten the pot. I think it's pretty cool. I heard about they were all free, free copy of Starfield. Um, with the pretty cool stuff. Yeah, and I know it's like kind of an AMD thing, right? Like DLSS, I don't think has support on Starfield. Yet Starfield has pushed back and said that, like, uh, you know, we're not necessarily stopping NVIDIA if they want to do the support. So, you know, we just were promoting AMD cards really with us. Another story. Anyway, um, there's some average FPS that has dropped for 1440p on us on a few games on PC. Um, and it's compares it's compared between the RTX 2070 Super, the RX 5700 XT, and of course, two new cards. And uh, just from the chart that we could see in the video, uh, 60 FPS pretty much at 1440p max settings across Last of Us Part 1, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, Hogwarts Legacy, and COD Modern Warfare 2. Um, both of these cards are hitting 60 FPS, 1440p max, set, max settings across everything. Um, the higher-end 7800 XT is uh, about 15 frames or so higher, 15, 20 frames um, yeah. across the board, really, on a lot of these games. But um, significant improvements over a 2070 Super and a 5700 XT from what we can see charts so um, Dude, very, it's pretty wild because yeah. i have a 2070 super i have no idea what their settings are for call of duty modern warfare 2 but i've never seen 60 frames in my life playing on 1440p max settings <laughs> that's crazy it's pretty so, wild, right? that's that's got to be a cpu heavy game has to be oh yeah um, so and you know i would yeah. hope it's a somewhat optimized game it's call of duty right you know you're, you're, you're copy and pasting the ip every year so i mean <laughs> i would hope there's some optimization <laughs> Not really. Uh, if you played it enough, it kind of falls apart every update. But that's, that's neither here there. That's depressing to hear. But this isn't depressing, you know what I'm saying? No, no. This, what AMD is doing right now is nice. 
So sorry, sorry, I'm talking. I'm talking. Where things you go. get <laughs> really interesting here, Mike. In comparisons with Nvidia, where the four hundred fifty dollars seventy seven hundred XT might trance the four hundred dollars GeForce forty sixty Ti and the five hundred dollars seventy eight hundred XT may beat the RTX forty seventy in rasterized games and even a couple of ray traced ones, while leaving an entire hundred dollar bill in your pocket. Let's look at let's look at some more uh, for the video uh, viewers out there. Let's look at some more charts, shall we? Uh, we have a um, the 4070 12 gigabyte versus the 7800 XT 16 gigabyte, uh, 60 plus average FPS, native 1440p with max settings. Um, again, I also have to preface this: this is from AMD, right? Like this is from the source. You know, you yes. can take it for what you will. Yeah. And a lot of these we see this mic, and this is with a lot of consumer graphics and stuff like that. There's like these percentages, um, but there's no like I don't see a you know a I don't see like a key anywhere. I don't see where <laughs> like most of these graphics are just like oh here's a twenty three percent improvement in COD twenty three percent of like what metric what initial <laughs> yeah like that's FPS a good point. I guess um and it's a lot of these Nvidia does the same thing it's like you see like these improvements and like you'll see a bar like way higher than others. But there's no like legend or key, so you can't <laughs> like discern what it means. But they're just you know kind of making themselves look good. Um, but we can see um, across like a majority of games, Overwatch Two, Red Dead Redemption Two, Last of Us Part One, Resident Evil Four, Ray Tracing High. I mean, a lot of these there's you know noticeable improvements. That's <laughs> a higher percentage. That's all I can say. I wish I could describe it a little bit more, but um, it's kind of just you know I guess the FPS average is higher across these. Um, I think that's really what they're trying to show is it's it's max settings native 1440p with each one of the games is averaging more than 60 frames per second. I think that's what they're trying to show. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, that'd be my guess. I mean, that's the only way I can interpret this, really. Um, I mean, we, sure. we also have the 77, the 7700 XT uh, versus the 4060 Ti. And you can see there's a lot more games in favor of AMD's new card in that graph as well. Um see higher percentiles across most modern day titles um and yeah i mean it, the article goes on really um and you see so now remember uh we weren't particularly impressed with the uh with the generation over generation upgrades from either of nvidia's cards and we can't yet say if amd has offered enough of an improvement to tempt gamers away from previous gen cards but as of yesterday a last gen 6800 xt still costs $530 at retail and our GPU is heading in the right direction again. There's still a little large, even AMD's, uh, even AMD's Radeon RX 7800 XT reference design takes up two and a half slots worth of width in the desktop computer compared to AMD's two slot design with the 4070 Founders Edition and below. Uh, that requires more power too, uh, up to 265 watts versus the 200 watts that NVIDIA, uh, that NVIDIA needs their cards uh some will appreciate that they are sticking with a pair of eight pin pci power sockets though good to see i know that was a big the 12 pin was a huge kind of i, th I feel like there was it a was. lot of controversy with that around the 40 series especially um especially with the quality of the cables they give you because it was just like <laughs> it's like you'd bend it a little bit and i feel like it's just gonna break um so it's cool to see that um yeah, there's a whole list, too, of uh, all the technical specs at boost clock, base clocks, um, how much memory is going to be offered with each card, um, compute units, um, you know, for RDNA 3, um, and their, you know, their infinity cache and kind of, you know, which display portal support. Um, yeah, and it seems like TDP is going to be for the 7700 XT 245 watts, 
a 263 for the 7800 XT. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's still power hungry cards, right? I mean, there's nothing, you know, it's kind of, there's no surprise there, though. It's just how graphics cards, I think, are nowadays. I will say, though, definitely not as bad as uh, some videos, <laughs> like needing, you know, no. new power supplies for. Um, it's kind of crazy, but um, yeah, it's, uh, the article goes on. There, There's some, they show kind of um, the, uh, they show the fidelity rendering with FSR3, um, you know, kind of fidelity effects, um, kind of AMD's uh, proprietary uh, upscaling technology, I guess, similar to DLSS. Um, and you kind of see how, you know, it, it shows the difference in, I don't know what, Forspoken, that's the game. I was like, look for the title. Um, yeah, and Forspoken, it kind of shows um, a comparison between, you know, uh, fidelity effects 3 compared to kind of um, just using kind of, I guess this is FSR off versus FSR on. I mean, it's a huge improvement in terms of frames, right? I mean, we're talking 40 plus frames, which I think, it's you wild. know, which we see similar improvements with DLSS, right? You know, when you play like 4K and you're playing with DLSS, it's essentially upscaled, you know, upscaled, what, 1080p or something like that. So, you know, you see these huge improvements in frames. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's forespoken, though, let's say, you know, it's not a terrible game, but. It's a, it's a game of the year. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's a game of the year. <laughs> it's a game of the year. We'll say it's the one. But uh, but yeah, I mean, so they, they kind of talk about FSR three a little bit. Um, you know, it's it's their uh, so FSR three includes native anti aliasing. Um, it's kind of an optional new mode that uses FSR techniques uh to anti alias and sharpen game graphics instead of upscaling them from a lower resolution, which is kind of similar to what DLSS does. Um, right. And then AMD says that FSR3 is already slated for Cyberpunk 2077, Forspoken, Immortals of Avium, uh, Avatar Frontiers of Pandora, Warhammer 40k, Space Marine 2, Frostpunk 2, um, Squad, Starship Troopers. I mean, there's a lot of games that's already slated for. Yeah. Um, it says Starfield will not ship with FSR3, but rather FSR2. Uh, by the way, AMD says that Bethesda is welcome to add NVIDIA's DLSS to the game, which is not currently there. Um, so <laughs> again, that's kind of what I alluded to earlier. Um, but yeah, and they, they show, oh my gosh, 4k FSR three, 36 FPS versus 122 with FSR. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. It's, 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 I don't know. I mean, it's cool. I, I like that we have these kind of technologies where, you know, one setting can kind of make 4k like gameplay, I guess is the way I'll put it <laughs> kind of, uh, in that way, um, kind of, you know, it, yeah takes it takes what's there and kind of tweaks it so that it's more kind of usable across um maybe lower end pcs but um it's very cool to see those technologies for sure um more details about the drivers that'll launch uh kind of you know hyper rx and you know all this all these other features that'll be coming out with the cards um talking about some of the uh it, it's kind of cool here i mean this is some of kind of the uh um different designs kind of pcb designs that we're seeing across like uh they look retailers. Clean. Um, they're yeah. aesthetically pleasing i mean yes did yeah the, this uh sakura one this one's pretty sick on uh, the white one um yeah sapphire nitro is kind of making their own PCB. I, I i like the triple fan design i'm a fan of that i think the cards that go with the triple same fan are yeah I, I only have two and it makes me feel sad i want three <laughs> yeah oh and see and azu's tough i mean this is what i have in my 38 i have the tough version um they make they Heck make yeah. they don't make the flashiest cards but they are pretty solid in terms of cooling so <laughs> um this this should be a pretty pretty big beast, I could imagine. Um across that. But yeah, it's cool to see kind of the other third party um PCB designs. 
But yeah, Mike, I mean, what do you think overall? These two cards, it looks like AMD is making a 1440p contender with this card, which is cool to see. Um, what are your oh. thoughts? Okay, I'm excited for a couple of reasons here. First and foremost, to see a card, at, like, to see AMD get back with competing against NVIDIA again, because what happened last time is like, AMD kind of surpassed NVIDIA a little bit in the 20 series era. And after that, that's when uh, like RTX went to the 30 series and it got really serious with NVIDIA and then AMD kind of fell behind a little bit. So to see right now where it's like, okay, the, the 40 series cards have been out for a while and AMD has just caught up and the form factor of the cards are smaller, which remember was a very important thing when the NVIDIA RTX uh, 40 series launched. Like you couldn't fit the cards in your case and you couldn't cool it you need a bigger power supply so to see amd come out with something that's like it's smaller it's like thinner and stuff like that you can fit it now into most cases i think this is really good just from a competitor standpoint you have more options now amd is trying to drive the prices lower it's tempting me because i have an amd cpu to go upgrade especially because they're directly comparing the cards with the one I hope I own right now and the <laughs> RTX 2070 super. And I'm singing, Oh, I can double my frame rate on some of these games. I want to play like star Wars Jedi survivors on my list. Hogwarts legacy on my list, call of duty, Marvel warfare two kind of on my list. <laughs> but they made this presentation. Like, like we want to speak to mad Mike and mad Mike only <laughs> kind of, kind of, but I will say there's one, there's one like thing that always, always gets me with the AMD graphics cards. And he mentions it, Sean Hollister, uh, if I can, I literally just read it. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. So here it is. If I, let me triple check. Okay. I'm pretty sure this is what it is. While FSR still works, this is the one that's underneath yeah. the Forspoken. Okay. See it? Okay. While FF, FSR still works on Rivals graphics card, as long as the game developers add the tech to their games, that. That section right there, as long as game developers add the tech to their games, not every game is going to have this. Yep. Whereas true. NVIDIA has the large majority of the market share. So it's like anything that NVIDIA puts out, the game developers are like, we got to appeal to the most amount of gamers possible, most amount of customers possible. Yeah. And if you have limited amount of time, limited budget, which one do you choose? FSR or like anything with RTX or DLSS and stuff like that? I mean, you know. It's NVIDIA cards, bro. They have the lion's share. What can you say? <laughs> it's like... That's what... It's also why, like, Intel has the major lion's share with CPUs. Yeah, really. Certainly. And that's why, like, a lot of games run really, really well, specifically on Intel, and not so well sometimes on AMD. It's getting way better. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like, AMD CPUs are, like, jumping crazy well with, like, uh, price-to-performance ratios. Right, yeah, yeah. performs the yeah, price ratios, I mean, whatever you want to say. It. <laughs> yeah, um, it's just, it's true, man. It really is, and I think uh, it's a definitely a consideration to make if you're going AMD, right? Because uh, yeah, it sounds yeah. great, but especially a lot of the technologies that these you know distributors like kind of promote nowadays, it's very much dependent and reliant on these developers to actually use this tech. Um, so you know, it's kind of thing you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. You kind of have to look at it at different angles. Um, kind of have to see what works best for you, but um, but yeah, certainly. I mean, I'm all for technologies like FSR and like DLSS, right? Because it makes 4K more accessible, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, but at the same time, yeah, you're relying on devs to kind of push it 
you know, put so. it in the game. <laughs> I mean, it really goes back to what we started talking about on the podcast multiple times about all these new games coming out and their performance ratios. I feel like the hardware is already there. Like, we're there. We should be able to run most of these games at, like, 4K with, like, a modern... Like, you're, you said you had a 3080. Yeah. That should be able to run 4K, 120 frames per second with ease on most titles. But because some games aren't optimized properly or they're rushed and complete kind of crap, their their own game engines are not capable of doing that, you know? Yeah. And they'll become, un, like, completely unstable after certain limit has mm -hmm. thresholds been re met i think the software of the games and how developers work need to complement the hardware now yeah i think that's where we're at it's that's the the bottleneck is the game itself now it's crazy man i i never thought there would be a time where the hardware would outrun the software but i think we're kind of at that point <laughs> it's crazy right i like, i think we are we are i think we probably are because now the graphics cards have software in it like yeah. RTX yeah. voice is what I use when I'm talking. It's true, yeah. I have I mean, like rendering software that's using the GPU that's like native to the GPU. It's kind of it's kind of wild. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. So. It's, I mean, we're finding these technologies to be able to run like 4K games and stuff like that without the need of relying as much on the hardware, right? Because like it's yeah. kind of it's just rendering tricks to you know trick the graphics yeah. card into running kind of at a at a more exactly. efficient rate, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. So um, I feel like the game isn't there yet. Which yeah. is how, but hey, yeah, it's it's crazy stuff, man. It's crazy stuff, but um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's cool to see that they're kind of competing at a fourteen forty p level because yeah, there definitely wasn't like a market on the AMD side. But yeah, I mean, you just kind of it's kind of when you factor everything in, it's like, uh, I mean, we'll see how many people actually go with these type of cards. Um, I know there's still a decent amount of people that use AMD cards, but I know for me, it's like I. I don't know. I'm I'm like loyal to Nvidia. I feel like at this point, <laughs> when it comes to graphics, anyway. So it'd be hard to trust for me to switch. I I will say they're trusted in a lot of ways. Uh, but I think when the relationship with EVG, EVGA got uh yeah. broken apart, that that was kind of eye opening about Nvidia's tactics it's, of what they're yeah, trying to do. It's a good point. Yeah. So really good point. I feel like AMD hasn't lost it. And a lot of people think like AMD is really small. They're actually not, you know. It's like they're, they're not, in. Yeah. They're they like have pretty massive. They have certainly they they have gotten themselves back in the market too, especially on the CPU side with the release Horizon. Like oh that actually gosh. brought them back into the market. So oh. <laughs> it was not even yeah. a competition before that, but then they actually hired some good engineers. <laughs> they made um, what yeah. became Ryzen. So. Um, yeah, they basically hired the old Intel engineers and they redid all of AMD CPUs. And now, like, all these Ryzen chips are in, I, I don't know exactly what chips are in it, but I know for a fact they're AMD chips that are in all the Xbox series. Yeah, like console. All the PlayStation. A lot of them are, like, ending up in phones now. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I so, mean, definitely on the non PC side, AMD has, you know, the, uh, oh, the, the broader market, right? For sure, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they're, they're of, dominating. So, yeah, it, it's an attractive option for companies as well, like day to day businesses that need that CPU hardware, but they don't want to spend the extra money. So, yeah. like, it's like I don't know how to say. It. It's like almost like AMD's kind of a Toyota. It'll last for a while. Do what you need it to do. But if you want that BMW, want that Mercedes Benz, that Cadillac, <laughs> you got to go. Not the Cadillac. That was ridiculous. Uh, foreign, foreign luxury brands you got to go <laughs> yeah. with intel you know 
Yeah. That kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. And this is kind of a side note too, but something I noticed, especially with the newer consoles, is like when you actually tear it apart and you take like the CPU off and stuff like that and the fans and whatnot, it's actually liquid metal now. It's not like thermal paste, which is interesting, especially on PlayStation. Like it's liquid metal now they used to cool it, which is uh never been done before. But I guess it's, you know, yeah, better. Kind of makes sense. Everything's getting hotter, the technology, that stuff's cheaper now. That's a that's a key thing to remember. Mm. Like the last generation probably it was like, yeah, let's just do thermal paste. Now it's like, oh, we already have like metal cool things yeah you know? it's interesting though it's cool to see that like it's weird how kind of playstation does it but i would assume it's better thermals which is why they went with it but <laughs> oh for sure they probably needed it i think probably could catch on fire yeah you know? probably cooks we don't need any more red ring of deaths nintendo's never had it oh man there's a reason it's it's so crazy too i there's uh, a reason. not only red ring of death but also uh the yellow light of death with ps3s like how that plagued the OG, oh, yeah. like fat PS3s. I saw like a documentary That's on true. that. I forgot about that. It is yeah. so crazy because like people do like reflows and stuff to try and get essentially like the like kind of the thermal beads and stuff on the CPU. They want to essentially like melt it down so that it has a better contact. But it's like even that's like kind of a temporary thing and it's not going to last. And it's just like it was it was the, the original PS3s like the CPU design was fundamentally flawed from the start and like so that's why most of those boards now are just like useless because it's like. They just messed it up but those are the most sought after ones because it you can play like any playstation game on i'm pretty sure it's like ps1 2 and 3 and all playing that thing so it's like it's the most sought after thing but they just messed it up i, I never <laughs> knew crazy. that yeah. okay thank you i just learned something I, new today i'll I, i'll see that documentary it's pretty cool like it's a guy that's essentially Please dedicated do. like two to three years of his life just trying to figure out what the main overall cause of like the yellow of death was in the original playstations because they are such sought after devices it's crazy, man. <laughs> it's like wild. Um, I was glued yeah, to the I, screen for like an hour and a half, however long it was. Um, it's pretty cool stuff. So, yeah, send send yeah. it my way after we get done recording. I want to check it out. Maybe not tonight. I'm I'm pretty sleepy. It's been yeah. Jet lag is taking taking a hold of me right now. I'm not gonna lie. That's why yeah. I've been struggling so much on reading. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, also too, I think the PlayStation stuff is kind of similar to the 360 and kind of what the Red Ring yeah. of Death was. So okay. it's like it was a similar kind of vein of why they both failed, but. It's interesting, man. I don't see that. I, I felt like the the Red Ring of Death was so massive, though, when it happened. It I mean, like, yeah, everybody I mean, got it at one point. Could you imagine being the business people in the meeting trying to explain, like, "Oh, we just shipped oh. out millions of faulty consoles, and we're gonna have to. Oh. And there's gonna be billions of dollars of damage control. We're gonna have to do." <laughs> it's like, who do you think? I, who do you think out. I fired first, R and D or uh, Q and A? Oh, dude, I don't know, man. It's one of those things, like... I, I mean, they both got fired. Had to. Had to. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That, but like, who got, got fired first? <laughs> but it's like, dude, oh. They designed those consoles. It was so rushed, and they just, like, used a... They used they just used a technique that just was not meant to work long-term, and they couldn't do long-term testing, so ship it out. <laughs> like, man. Gosh. Dude, it's wild, so man. The, the history of consoles, I know Xbox's documentary is really good on that, kind of talking about yeah. that. I think it was a lot of things they left out, but, you know, it's xbox so they're not going to put everything in but it's cool to at least kind of see that kind of stuff and then and then just seeing all these other documentaries from like modders and stuff like that who've like dedicated years of their life to figure out what's what happened and <laughs> like how everything kind of went down that's so fascinating man yeah. it's wild man there's cool there's cool content out there on the, the, the video it goes into ties into video game history which again like one day we just need to like hammer out some video game history because <laughs> it's really cool to see like the history of consoles and how everything evolved yeah, there's a couple of things I think uh, either Amazon Prime, Hulu, or uh, Netflix. 
I think I saw it on Netflix. They were going through the history of gaming yeah. and they started in the eighties with like Pong yeah. and then like sped run it into, it was about gaming competitions and it would concentrate on fighting games a little bit too. Yeah. Uh, this is really fascinating some, stuff. There's some documentaries I've heard about like video game history. That I think on like Netflix yeah. too, that I've like heard like I should check out. So yeah. yeah seven days more. out has a segment about, I think league of legends, like the lead up to the world championship for league of legends and what they had to do to get everything set up and then what goes on during it. Uh, I can't imagine. Kind of nuts. Yeah. Got a lot of respect for people that run uh, tournaments for sure. That stuff's a nightmare. Just, I do it online and it's trash. I don't run it, (laughs) but I'm like, I participate. It's crazy. Yeah. So takes the smart individuals. Yeah. Yeah. You know how, you know how long we've been talking, man, we gotta let the people go. (laughs) <laughs> we can do mike <laughs> we've been we've been chatting we chatted for like 30 minutes before the episode started oh, it gave like a life story it was crazy uh, <laughs> yeah I, I blame you for choosing a kun uh Neo kun as as one of the topics i had to cover <laughs> i blame you i spent all my time on that <laughs> but let's let's close out let's close out let's let the people know where they can find everything. It's in the description below. Wherever you're watching, if you're listening, we got tiny URL links. You can just go down there, you click it. I have like, we have a timestamp for everything. The description of the article that we covered, you click it, and then you go to the original source. Give them love, for sure. For sure. sure. Our show. So, yep. Anyways, this has been Duke. We're episode 34. Next one's in September, man. We're crushing it this year. Um, we appreciate everybody for listening, subscribing, liking, checking anything out, commenting, even though some of them is kind of hurtful, but not really. Mostly funny. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I don't yeah, know about yeah. you, though. I like it, too. It's funny. Not gonna lie. I like interaction. So without further ado, I'm Michael Anthony. It's Kyle Heath over here. This is the M2 Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. And check us out next week. We'll be back covering nice. next month's new games. Oh, yeah. You already know. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Sir. See you. Peace out.